Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. We've been talking about the church I see. It's a church, you know, that loves people. We've been talking about many different aspects of our church, and today we want to kind of focus in on the church I see as a praying church, or the church I see prays. And I was going over this lesson. Actually, this is one of the first concepts was the church I see prays, but it just worked out best to deliver it today. But as we were going over this, I had this really unique experience happen to me last night. And I think I'll preface it with this. Jesus and the devil were going to have a contest one day to see who was better on computers. And for three hours, they cut, they pasted, they saved, they deleted, they typed, they created. And five minutes before they were supposed to hit print and hand everything in, the power went out. And Satan was furious, and he said all the words that you're not supposed to say really loudly. And he threw the computer across the room. And, you know, the judge looked over and said, what's the problem? He goes, I just lost all my work. And the judge looked over at Jesus, and he said, well, Jesus saves. I was developing this for about two and a half hours yesterday afternoon in between watching Michigan win and Ohio State lose. I went to hit save. I tried to save it to the wrong place, so it gave me a little error. So I thought, oh, I'll just save it to the right place, and then it totally deleted the whole message. But that's okay, we recreated it. So it's back in a little bit of a different form. But the concept with this is, how many know there's been some men and women that have gone before us historically in the church? And and I'm not sure how many of you like your church history, right? But the, the, the foundation of the church is actually a fascinating read if you read about the lives of some of these men. So as we're going into this today, let me ask you just a couple questions. And if you guys want to put up 1 Thessalonians 5, I'll get there in a minute. But how many of you desire revival? That's not very many. (laughs) How many of you have loved ones, friends, coworkers, neighbors you'd like to see in church? How many desire every prayer you ever pray to be answered? That'd be good? Let's talk about the context of that today. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, always be joyful, never stop, never stop, never stop, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. There was a man that lived some time ago, his name was George Whitfield. Curious, has anyone ever heard of him? Now, George Whitfield, he was like the exact antithesis of RJ. He was known for his loud voice. 
In fact, there was a guy named Benjamin Franklin. Have you ever heard of Benjamin Franklin? He went and listened to George Whitfield preach one day. And while he was preaching, he walked over 500 feet away from him and he could still clearly hear him articulating in open air with just his voice. So Ben Franklin, because one of the things he heard about the thousands of people that Whitfield would preach to over in England, and then when he came to America, he's like, there's no way this guy could preach to thousands of people. He calculated that he could preach to 30,000 people with just his voice. That's pretty loud. <laughs> but Whitfield, he, he loved Jesus and he had a great message. And he hung out with the Wesley brothers. And there's a whole church that came up out of their theology. But he says this, he says, be humble. This is George Whitfield. Talk little, think and pray much. And another thing that he said, I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees, laying aside all other books and praying over, if possible, every line and word. This proved meat indeed and drink indeed to my soul. I daily received fresh life, light, and power from above. Whitfield was a man, he preached and people responded and they got saved. Thousands of people came to listen to him preach. But you know, one of the things I picked up from the life of George Whitfield, daily personal prayer is the key to successfully navigating the Christian life. And the truth is, I want to challenge all of you, if you're not already praying on a daily basis, you need to spend some time with God in prayer. Athletes know this. Professionals know this. You know, no matter what you do in life, if you want to be really good at it, you have to do it how often? Consistently. And we want to pray on a daily basis. This is your key. This is your lifeline. That daily prayer is so important. And you got to remember, prayer is not just you talking to God, but it's also you taking a moment to listen. And so many people have a hard time listening. But we have to develop that ear. Most of the time, it's because we never stop the conversation that's going on inside of our mind. That internal dialogue that's going on right now, even while I'm talking. How many of you are thinking about what you're going to eat later? Don't raise your hand. Why? Because our mind is pretty amazing, but we have to focus it on things and we have to learn to quiet it so that we can receive what God has to say to us. But that daily connection is going to be your source of power. It's going to be your source of enrichment. It's going to be your source of direction and guidance for your day. And if we're not making a point as Christians to pray daily, we're going to have some challenges in this life. The next man I want to talk about is a little-known figure in history by the name of Charles Finney. He was a revivalist during the Second Great Awakening. And that means absolutely nothing to some of you. But there was three or four of these awakenings, these move of gods where the church memberships went up and the bars shut down and that kind of thing. But Finney, he's got, he's got quite a few quotes here that I want to talk to you about for a moment. He said, if the presence of God is in the church, the church will draw the world in. If the presence of God is not in the church, the world will draw the church out. Prevailing prayer is that which secures an answer. 
Saying prayers is not offering prevailing prayer. The prevalence of prayer does not depend so much on quantity as quality. Got a few more from him. A revival may be expected when Christians have a spirit of prayer for a revival. That is, when they pray as if their hearts were set on it. Christians have a spirit of prayer for revival. When they go about groaning out their heart's desire, when they have a real travail of the soul. In other words, revival doesn't usually just magically happen. It happens when there's a desire inside of you to know God deeper, to know God in a more powerful way on a daily basis. And when we do that corporately, something happens within our church and within our congregation, and things start changing in our community. My favorite quote by Finney, and I have two of them left, but this is my favorite one. There are two kinds of means requisite to promote a revival. The one to influence man and the other to influence God. Okay, so if you want a revival, you need to influence God and you need to influence man. Truth is employed to influence men. Men respond to truth and prayer to move God. He goes on and explains that God isn't really moved by our prayer, but He responds to our prayer. And when He responds to our prayer, it activates because of our faith, and we start seeing things happen within our life, within our family, within our culture, within our community. We need truth. That's why we preach this message of hope. We preach the truth, the good news about Jesus. We preach truth. But you take that and you add to it prayer, then God gets involved because all the truth in the world doesn't do you any good without prayer. And at the end of the day, unless I had the spirit of prayer, I could do nothing. Prayer is the key to revival inside of your life. Your personal revival and the corporate revival, the key is prayer. But if I was to ask you, and don't raise your hands because I really don't want to know, how many of you pray daily? How many of you spend time sacrificially seeking God's face for Him to move? in your circumstances, in your situation? How many of you pray out of obedience to how God is directing you? So if He's directing you to pray more and more, are you obeying that prompting? I know how many people come to our corporate prayer times. I'm at some of them. I'll be at the one tonight from six to eight. We'll talk about that in a minute. But see, what happens is if I say, who wants revival? We say, yes, we want revival. We want to move a God. We want to see all these things happen in our city, in our community. We want to see our nation saved. But that's not usually just a sovereignty issue where God comes down and saves the nation. That's when His people unite in purpose and humble themselves, and they start kneeling down in the presence of the king, and they start calling out to the creator, please save us, please save our land, please help us, God. That's when transformation happens. Okay, I'm going to give you a chain of men. You see if you can connect the dots to the last guy, Edward Kimball, children's church teacher, invested in a guy named Dwight Moody, who I'm not going to quote today, but I could who went out and got a guy named Wilbur Chapman saved. Wilbur Chapman was doing a revival meeting and a baseball player named Billy Sunday gave his life to Jesus, left professional baseball, National League, left, went over, started doing evangelistic crusades. Billy Sunday preached to a guy named Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham joined up and started traveling around and ministering. And at that time, a young man by the name of Billy Frank gave his life to Jesus. 
Do you know who Billy Frank is? Billy Graham. They estimated in his lifetime he preached to 2.2 billion people. You know, Edward Kimball prayed and ministered to actually two young men is all he poured his life into. And one got saved that I know of, Dwight Moody. Can you see the power of, see, what happens is sometimes we don't understand that an entire orchard is in the seed of one apple. And with prayer, the same is true. You know, sometimes you don't always see the results you want as quick as you want. Maybe I'll have some time to talk about that towards the end. But the truth is, we have to see beyond where we are. We have to have faith to look beyond because we know that when we surrender ourselves to Christ in prayer, things start changing. Billy Sunday, the baseball player turned evangelist. If you are a stranger to prayer, you are a stranger to the greatest source of power known to human beings. The greatest power you will ever encounter is the power of the Creator. But if you never communicate with Him, how are you going to come into contact with His power on a day-in, day-out basis? He also says, conversion is a complete surrender to Jesus. It's a willingness to do what He wants you to do. I asked how many of you want all your prayers answered. Everyone said, oh yeah. But obedience is linked to your prayer being answered. You want your prayers answered. Obedience to God's command for your life is always linked to the answers that you get in prayer. If I'm talking about great men in the faith, I'd be remiss not to quote Billy Graham. The Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, oh God, forgive me or help me. Potentially, one of the world's greatest evangelists ever had moments of discouragement. Doesn't that make you feel a little bit better? Think about that. Even Billy Graham had moments of discouragement where he had to go to where? To prayer, and he had to seek encouragement from the Creator. That reminds me of an Old Testament character. Remember David? What did David do when he was discouraged? He encouraged himself where? In the Lord. How did he do that? He prayed. Prayer is a pretty powerful tool. Billy Graham says this, ask God to show you his plans not to bless your dreams. True prayer is a way of life, not just for use in cases of emergency. You know, Billy Graham tells me that in every circumstance that we walk through, we need to pray. No matter what we're facing, no matter where we're going, no matter what's happening all around us, we need to pray. Whether life is good or whether life is not so good, whether life is challenging, whether you're up or whether you're down, we need to pray. And we need to pray for His will to be done, not our will to be done. But I think, isn't that the heartbeat of the Christian life? God, your will be done. Change me, God. Best way to pray for my wife. Change me, God. But the best way she can pray for me is, change me, God. See, prayer is different. In life, you know, with possessions, what's mine is hers, and what's hers is hers, you know. <laughs> That's possessions. But in prayer, 
She will pray for God to change her and I will pray for God to change me. Because really the only person you have the power to change is yourself. And the only person that has the power to change you is really the Creator. And when you surrender your life to the Creator, He will change your heart. And when He changes your heart, nothing is the same. Everything changes. Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, he was, he preached one of the most famous sermons ever. It was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And this guy was like nearsighted and, and, and monotone. And when he would preach, he would just read his notes like this really close to the page because he could barely see it. How would you like to listen to someone talk for one hour with just that same tone, no inflection, no change, just reading like this? But history records that when he preached sinners in the hands of an angry God, there was such a presence and power of God that came into the room that sinners could feel the flames of hell coming up from the floor and they would cry out and interrupt him in the middle of his preaching. What do I have to do to give my life to Jesus? What do I have to do to be saved? He, he says this, Jonathan Edwards, he that lives a prayerless life lives without God in the world. Prayerlessness is sin. If you're not inviting God into your life, I have a question for you. Who are you inviting in? If the most important conversation you have every day isn't with your creator, what's the most important conversation you have? I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Andrew Murray. He was a missionary and a writer and, you know, he wrote many books on prayer and the power of prayer. And I could probably quote Andrew Murray until tomorrow on prayer, but I just picked a few here. Each time before you intercede, be quiet first and worship God in his glory. Think of what he can do and how he delights to hear your prayers of his redeemed people. Think of your place and your privilege in Christ and expect great things. He says so much in that statement. Quiet yourself. Acknowledge God's lordship. Think of how he can do it because, you know, if you don't have faith that God's going to do it when you pray. If you don't believe God can do it, why are you praying? God wants to hear your prayers it's a privilege in Christ to pray, but expect great things. There's that, that, that element of expectation. He goes on and he talks about, we must begin to believe that God in the mystery of prayer has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and can bring its power down to earth. How many of you want the power of God in your life? The way you activate it is you pray and you tap into the creator and you get connected to him and then you listen and obey and guess what? The power comes. The power activates. It activates through prayer. Here's another one he says, God cannot hear the prayer on our lips often because the desires of our heart after the world cry out to him much more strongly and loudly than our desire for him. Prayer is the quiet, persistent living of our life of desire and faith in the presence of God. I guess it comes down to this, WCF, October 2018. Do you desire God's hand or do you desire God's face? 
Do you serve Jesus for what he's done for you or what he can do for you, or do you serve Jesus because of who he is? Andrew Murray's work really illustrates to us that when you seek his face, you have his hand. But too many get caught in the endless cycle of chasing what next, God? What have, you, what, what have you done for me lately, God? God, what have you got for me? Bless me, God. I think that these men, they, they had, you know, come to some realizations of some things inside of their life. But, you know, often people don't understand that the Word of God gives us many conditions for answered prayer. What do you mean, preacher? Conditions. If you ignore the conditions, you often get delayed answers to prayer or silence when you're expecting answers because you've ignored the conditions. Now, I'm going to list for you some of the possible things that can hinder our prayers being answered. And I got this from, uh, I can't even remember the name of the, the place I got it from, but it's actually good. Because they want you, and I want you, to listen to some of these things that it talks about here because we have to have an understanding of this. My friend Tony Miller, the Bishop Tony Miller, he says it best. He says, I would gladly trade everything I know for everything that I don't. The, the translation RJ has for that, okay? There's more that I don't know than there is that I do. And people sometimes say, well, why? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> well, you're supposed to know. No, <laughs> sorry, not that good. There's more that I don't know than there is that I do. I mean, think about life and how God made the universe. There's more that we don't know than there is that we do. But in Christianity, we have hope and faith that God is good and has our best interest in mind. So there's this trust element that we have with him. Now, I realize that due to your personal history, some of you are really challenged in trust. But trust in God is very foundational, and the only way you will ever move beyond that is when you develop your relationship with him to the place every day that you trust him. And then you step out and begin trusting others. So here's some of the hindrances or some of the reasons that maybe your prayers don't get answered. You know, Matthew 7, it talks about you don't have because you don't ask. So the very first reason you don't get what you're praying for is you don't ask God for it. It's very difficult. I don't know about you. I haven't perfected the art of reading people's minds. You're not so good at that either, Lady Christine. <laughs> so if someone wants something, they need to ask. But if you don't ask, how can you expect to? I know, I know. Mark 11 tells us we need to ask in faith. When you're praying and you're asking God, do you really believe God can do it? Or is it kind of you're just throwing it up there hoping he sees it? Well, maybe God will answer this. Sometimes we're not looking for God's answer because we've already figured out how he's supposed to answer our prayer. Have you fully surrendered your life to Christ? If you're not fully surrendered, it's going to be a little bit difficult standing before him, asking him, I want to do your will. 
I mean, think about it. God, I'll do your will as long as I don't, you know, <laughs> the joke in Bible school, we used to sing, you know, please God, don't send me to Africa. In other words, I'm surrendered to do your will, but just don't send me here or don't make me do this. Or don't ask me to go work in kids' church, God. Why, why, why would I want to do that? Greatest investment that you can make in your life is to impart the truth God has given you to the younger. The greatest investment you can make is when you take the hope and truth he's given you and you impart it to the next. Sometimes we're asking for things outside of God's will. I'm pretty sure that it's not God's will for Halle Berry to be my wife. She's pretty sure too. You know why I'm pretty sure? Because I have a wife. I like my wife. I actually like her more than Halle Berry because I don't know Halle Berry. Of course she is, Mike. We all know this. He's telling me that I'm supposed to say my wife is prettier, but I just figured that was assumed. <laughs> God is waiting for us to accept the greater answer. Sometimes God gives us an answer to our prayer and we don't like the answer he gives us. I'll never forget, the prophet was so awesome, I forget, I forget which guy it was. I want to say Harold Harding, but you know, someone came up to him and he, he looked at him and he said, preparation is not lost time. In other words, while God's preparing you for where he wants to take you, just enjoy the journey, it's not time lost. Sometimes his answer isn't as clean and neat and pretty as we like. You know, think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We will not bow. <laughs> and the next thing you know, they're getting tossed into a furnace. That wasn't quite what they expected, but either way, God preserved them through it. Sometimes you're just disobeying God. You know, you're not coming in and you're not worshiping and lifting up holy hands as the Bible exhorts us to do. You're not putting your ties into the storehouse as his word exhorts us to do. You're not walking in love and forgiveness as his word exhorts us to do. You're not putting off the flesh and taking on the nature of Christ as his word exhorts us to do. Sometimes you limit God by half-hearted obedience. Remember King Jehoash and Elisha? We have this question, my wife and I like talking about these harder situations. Elisha says to the king, take some arrows. He goes, shoot one, and he shoots it. And then he says, take the rest and smite the ground. There was a little bit more to that story, but the prophet was pretty angry with the man because he only hit the ground three times, and he should have hit a lot more than that. If you look in his ancestors, they had three victories. He only got three victories. He only half obeyed the prophet and he knew better. The context lets us believe that there's a little bit more to that story than is there. But see, the point is, someone like Naaman, he had to fully obey. He had to go dip himself in the river, how many times? Seven. And I can see Naaman. Man, where I come from, the rivers have clean water and you want me to go dip in what? what? <laughs> Yuck. But nonetheless, he was obedient. He got his healing because he was fully obedient to God. Yeah. 
Do you cherish something that's outside of God's will? Let it go. Are you seeking supernatural remedy when God has put a natural remedy in your hands? Natural remedies often involve dying to self. You know, there's this one case and the king's dying and the prophet walks up, he's like, go make a fig ointment and put it on him. Put the salve on him, he'll get better. There was a very natural solution available to the problem. God, I need more money. Well, sometimes there's things we can do to create that. Hard work, perseverance. Sometimes we got to work more. Or sometimes we just need to manage what he's entrusted to us a little bit better and start operating in his principles. I want to leave the unanswered stuff for a minute, and I want to go to some of the things that God can do to answer your prayers. Look for a promise in the Word of God and start claiming it over your situation. That's why, you know, Whitfield talks about, I read the Word and it started changing my life. Why? Because when you read the Word, it starts coming alive to you, and then you can start taking the Word and applying it to your situation. If you're not speaking the Scriptures, this leads me to this. Pastor Jacob, you still around? Maybe you're in the back. Come on out here, guys. One of the things that you have to do with this, with the Word of God, okay? We pray the Word of God over our situation and our circumstance, okay? And sometimes people, you guys can come on up and get ready, and then I'm going to go right into the other one after, okay? Sometimes people get very intimidated by prayer. And often we have to understand when you're privately meeting with the Creator on a regular basis, it should be no problem for you to stand up in a public setting and talk about the Creator because He's going to give you the confidence and the hope that you need. It's a part of your new nature to win souls and influence people. That said, in Philippians 4, why don't you guys lay down a track or lay down a rhythm while I'm doing this? Come on up. There's three or four very simple things that we do in our corporate expressions of worship so that you can engage and you can join us. My wife talked about worship with, when we worship, we're praying, we're lifting up our voices, we're singing, we're, we're thanking God, we're praising God, but it's a prayer we're offering up sacrificially to Him. So one of the elements of our corporate prayer times is going to be this element of worship where we get into the presence of God and we start worshiping Him for who He is. And then this is something you do personally and something you can do corporately where we pray the Word of God. Philippians 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So stand up with me real fast. Let's pray this. Father, I thank you that your word says that I don't have to be anxious. I don't afraid about anything. I don't have to fear. But we can lift up every situation to you and every circumstance to you this morning. Father, I thank you that you're going to send some peace into my life right now in this moment. I thank you, Lord, that you've saved us.
And the byproduct of that is this peace that we're going to receive right now, which is beyond my understanding. And Lord, I thank you that in peace, I can stand firm in my commitment to you and your word, no matter what I face today as I go forth. In Jesus' name. See how easy it is to start praying the word of God over your life and over your situation? If you're anxious and afraid, if you're out of peace, you need to start praying this over your life every day. Can I have five volunteers real quick? I'm gonna ask you to read something very short. I just need five volunteers. Just come on up here, five people. One, two, three, four, and one more. Give me one more. Come on up, okay. Can you take one of these? I wanna show you how easy it is to do another aspect of what we do here. Sometimes we open up the mic at our prayer services and we ask people to say a very brief prayer. It doesn't have to be super complicated. It doesn't have to be exorbitant. You don't have to use big theological words, just pray from your heart. Can you guys read just what's on the page and then hand it to the next person for me? Prayer for governments. Father, we thank you for a great nation in Canada. We thank you for, thank you God for raising up godly men and women leaders in our nations who will be obedient to stand for righteousness and justice. We thank you, God, that you have positioned and set Canada apart for your plan and for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer for leaders and pastors. Father, we thank you for our amazing church in Windsor Christian Fellowship. We pray and lift up to you our pastors and leaders and their families, God. We pray that you would set a hedge of your protection about them and keep them in health and wholeness, Lord. We ask that you would give them wisdom and understanding as they lead us in our Christian faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer for families of WCF. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the families and members of Windsor Christian Fellowship. Lord God, we ask that your blessing would be upon all the families. Lord, we thank you that your peace and love rule and reign in each and every home. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer for young people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the generation of young people that you are raising up in this church. We thank you, God, that you are growing in a standard of righteousness and fear of the Lord. We thank you, God, that you have a good plan for their life, a plan for them to prosper and for a good future. We thank you for the spirit of boldness that they will be strong and courageous and go forth and do the will of God in the name of Jesus. Prayer for marriage. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the marriages represented here at Windsor Christian Fellowship. We ask you, Lord, to bless the marriages that their love would grow for one another and that a deep bond continues to be strengthened by a threefold cord that cannot be easily broken. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much for coming up and taking that step of faith. Do you see how easy that is to just, thank you, Jesus, that the congregation of Windsor Christian Fellowship is full of joy. They're full of peace. You don't have to be a preacher to pray. Everybody can participate. Everybody can have a part in what we're doing. Can you guys put up for me 
2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Now, there's other times when we come into prayer services where we'll put up a scripture verse kind of like this one, and because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises, and these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. When you're looking at a verse like this and the musicians are playing, you want to read that verse. You want to pray that scripture over your life. You want to think about and meditate on word by word only that verse. And ask yourself questions like, God, how does this apply to my life? Ask yourself questions, God, are you speaking to me through this? Is there something I need to adjust or something I need to change or do I need to activate faith in an area? And as you're meditating on the word of God and you're thinking about it, God will reveal to you over and over again information about his word. These are just some of the ways that we pray corporately together here. And I'd really like to encourage all of you if we want to see revival in our city and our nation, we're going to have to come to our knees in prayer. We're going to have to join together corporately. It doesn't just magically happen. It's his people consistently and intentionally praying and believing God for the supernatural. It comes as an outpouring of your personal prayer life. If you're not praying every day, you're going to struggle. Some of you go, I pray every day and I still struggle. That's okay. Keep praying. You know, they asked Billy Graham, hey, Mr. Graham, if, if Christianity is valid, why is there so much evil in this world? <clears throat> His answer was this, with so much soap, why are there so many dirty people? Christianity, like soap, must be personally applied if you want it to make a difference in your life. And Jonathan Edwards said, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. While you're standing with me today, maybe you've never had an opportunity to give your life to Christ. Maybe you've never really surrendered fully to Jesus, but you need to. I'd like to make that available to you. Be brave and step out of your chair and we'll pray with you and we'll help you to surrender your life to Jesus and get freedom from your sin. Salvation brought freedom from sin to all of our lives. We have to personally apply it. It's available to everyone, but received by few. But you know, there's a second step in Christianity and that's baptism in water. And while salvation gets forgiveness of sin, a lot of times your conscience is still beat up because of the shame of your past. And God is calling men and women everywhere to lay their lives down and identify most fully with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection and leave the shame behind and walk out of it. There's a power in baptism in water and it brings freedom to your conscience so the shame of your past can't have a hold over you anymore. You know, we have Dr. Eric and Diane here today. 
and they've got a tank full of water in the back. And if you've never been baptized, but you need to be, or you've never given your life to Christ, and you need to, or you want to, step out of your chair, be bold, be brave, and come down and meet this wonderful couple, and they'll pray with you, and they'll believe God with you, and they'll assist you on this journey. Is there anyone that applies to you today? You don't have to be shy or afraid. All through the scriptures, people made public declarations of their faith in Jesus. If you could put up on the screen for me, 1 John chapter 5. And if you didn't have a chance to grab a communion element when you walked in, you may want to do that. Raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. In 1 John chapter 5, the scriptures tell us, and since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for, 16. And if you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray. And God will give that person life, but there's a sin that leads to death, and I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. It's one of the hardest verses in the Bible for us to digest here today. Because it tells us that sometimes in Christianity, when people stay in willful sin, their life gets cut short. And that's linked directly to Acts with Ananias and Sapphira, where they purposely chose to deceive the Holy Spirit when they were asked a direct question. And they lied to God. Didn't work out so good for them. You know, and when we come to the communion table in 1 Corinthians 11, it tells us, and I'm going to just paraphrase it, but it tells us that we have to examine our heart before we come to the table. Before we participate in the covenant meal, we have to walk in forgiveness and peace and put aside the bitterness and the resentment because if you don't discern the Lord's body, if you don't examine your heart first, it leads to a situation where some get sick and some die before their time. That's a strong statement to us, but God is calling his church to holiness and he's given us his Holy Spirit so that we can live right and make good choices. So Father, today, as we take the bread, it represents your body that was broken for us and the covenant that we have with you. So Father, I thank you that you're calling men and women everywhere to pray. Pray personally, pray corporately, to pray, to cry out to you for our city and for our nation, for an awakening God, for people to return to the faith that they once knew and for people to be activated in the power of God in their lives on a day-in, day-out basis. So we receive healing now, we receive deliverance now, and we receive freedom now as we partake in Jesus' name. And as he took the cup, which represents the blood of the new covenant, Father, I thank you that you purchased our freedom. We have an open heaven and we have the power of God in our lives. And we represent you and your kingdom 
here on planet Earth every day when we walk out these doors. So I thank you that we can be empowered, that we're connected to you and we hear your voice clearly as we go forward. And today, Father, I thank you that there is forgiveness and freedom to the penitent. We give our lives to you once again, Father, as we do every day. And we take up our cross and we say, wherever you want us to go and whatever you want us to do, we will fully obey you and we will be fully surrendered. And as we step out in prayer and in faith, Father, I think that you're activating your people all over this place and that the power of God is being demonstrated in the culture and in their lives. In Jesus' name. And God bless you. Have the greatest week of your life. Amen.